Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And uh, you are tuned in to Hardcore Church Planning Podcast. And as always, we've got a great guest. So Peyton, introduce our guest. I will. Hey, I was just thinking it was like you were waiting for a tagline, you know, where the church planning is. We need one. We don't have one. No, I've kind of given up at this point. There's there's no tagline for hardcore. Yeah, kind of doesn't need one. Right. So, hey, here's the deal. So we got this guest. Forgive. I think we're all snake or or all sick. We all got a head full of snot today. But we have as our guest today, uh, Jeff Christofferson. He is the director of church planning for North American Mission Board, and he uh, is a Canadian, which uh, is is kind of cool because that's part of North America, so it qualifies, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Jeff, uh, well, oh, he's also the author of Kingdom First with Mac Lake, a fantastic book, which I recommend you pick up if you're in the multiply training. You read it anyway. So, uh, Jeff, welcome onto the show, man. Yeah, it's great to be here, guys. That's what All you say right. now. We'll we'll ruin yeah, that for you. I, I heard the reputation, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the first it's things worse. we always like to to ask when we get started is if you could tell everyone your story of how you came to faith and how you got started working with church planners. Wow! So and and concise. Of course, uh, of course. Yeah, in thirty so, seconds. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually was in a, up in northern Saskatchewan. So if you go to um, kind of North Dakota and then just cross the border and keep going, you come to the last sort of stop, which is a place called Prince Albert. And uh, then if you go away from there, you get to where I was. And um, I went to, was at a Bible camp as a young young kid, and there was an altar call. And everybody went forward, and uh, and I didn't. The guy preached on Christ, on the crucifixion of Christ. I was ten years old, and um, and I just went to my uh, cabin, and really the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. And my counselor came in, and saw me kind of weeping in in my in my cabin, and that was he had the spiritual sensitivity to to lead me to Christ then and there. And then I was involved in got involved in a church plant that was happening. Um, some of you might have heard of the name Henry Blackaby, and um, he he was start he was pastored a church that started a lot of churches, and I was in one of those churches that that was started and and uh, and it was a church that saw its mission as the gospel getting to all people, not about gathering people. And, uh, and so that church multiplied over and over again. People were called into ministry regularly. And he is the leading pastor. And it didn't um, sort of see it his job to kind of put people in positions in the church. But he tried to figure out, how do I, how do I multiply these disciples? And so 
a lot of us end up starting churches at a young age in different towns and places around in Saskatchewan. And so right from a very young age, I knew for sure, for sure, for sure that my, my life was going to be about bring good news. And, uh, and, and in the place where I lived, there were just so few churches. It just seemed instinctual that, that that would be about starting churches to bring good news. And so, uh, ever since I was 16, I kind of had that as, as a sort of a life mission, and uh, so planted three churches as founding planter, and uh, the last one multiplied numerous times, and uh, and so that's kind of my been my my life. Very cool, man. So okay, so we got to get this out of the way. So I grew up uh, as a kid watching um, Strange Brew with Bob and Doug <laughs> McKenzie. And uh, in, in, in my illusion of Canadians is that you're supposed to say a at the end of everything that oh. is not, that's not happening here. Can you just add that in for our podcast? Oh, oh, I'll have to really work hard on it. <laughs> and, uh, I was going there, right? And uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, take off a, hey, we're going to talk about church planning. So, and uh, cuckoo, 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 but I'm not going to sing it. Cause I'm wait, terrible. Wait, 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 you okay, Hoser? I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. He saw Jedi 17 times, eh? I feel that's only appropriate with Star Wars coming out this week. You know, a little strange brew with Star Wars. little strange brew. Uh, <laughs> memories. <laughs> he's, like, so, he's, like, uh, he's like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> you can moving along from that mental train wreck. So, Jeff, here's what we want to talk about. Was uh, there? Okay, so North American Mission Board right now has just uh, hired Brad Briscoe on for um, bivocational church planner training. And that is way ahead of the curve. Now, um, Canada is, I I know you, you know, you don't live in Canada anymore, but Canada really is kind of like the halfway mark culturally between America and Europe. So it's kind of, as Kerry Newhoff says, he says it's like the canary in the, in the coal mine. It's just that much ahead of Americans. So, it's refreshing to us to see somebody thinking ahead of the curve and talking about bivocationalism. Cause when I was a missionary in Europe, there was no other way to do it. I had to be bivocational. I was there for 12 years. Um, I was bivocational 11 of those 12 years. And th- that was my most effective time. My mm-hmm. first year there, um, I was fully supported until nine 11 my mission support dropped in half, and I had to get a job in a factory. That's where I saw my first three conversions huh. within weeks was being bivocational in a factory. And uh, tell us a little bit about why that's so important to you uh, and NAM in general. Well, I, I think, um, I mean, the law of diminishing returns, We I've just been watching as um, in the U.S., uh, we've been using more of an attraction model of church planting. And, uh, and, and it's just taking more and more and more money to get less and less and less of a result over and over again. And, um, and so when you, when you just look at the sort of stewardship of dollars, you go, okay, a lot of the things that, that we would call traditional church planting is, is working in a diminishing way. And so, um, it, it becomes, we're almost back towards what what we can see. Like when I the churches that I was planting in Canada, especially the last one, um, I mean, we just really had to do. We didn't plant churches 
for evangelism. We planted churches from evangelism because there was just no people to congregationalize that were, you know, you could shake loose and uh, come join your little thing. And so um, um, the uh, when, when you just start thinking about the, the, the time that it often takes in order to plant a self-sustaining church, um, you know, it's probably not the best method to, to approach it the way we have historically or maybe more recent history. And, uh, and, and bivocational idea, I mean, there's just, there's just so many good things about it. It gives you credibility in, in, um, w- in the environment where you're going to be working. Um, it gives you an immediate context to have a mission, <laughs> have, a, have relationships with people who need Christ and you, you're yeah. sort of on their level. And, um, and, and it, it's, uh, it becomes a great plan for disciple making because you can just point and say, you know, follow me as I follow Christ, do what I'm doing. And you're not really a sort of, uh, elevated from them in any kind of hierarchy or status. And so, uh, I, I just, I mean, I just, I just know that's where our future is going to be. In fact, I, we're sort of predicting the North American mission board that, that probably it won't be long before more than half of our church plants will be bivocational, and um, mm. I say it won't be long. I mean, won't be long. <laughs> and so, <laughs> by necessity, <laughs> yeah. And, and and the more we press into the density and diversity of urban, um, the more the way we thought about church planting makes little sense. And uh, and how do you get into you know a place that's like well, I, where I was in Toronto? Over forty percent of the population lived in buildings tall buildings and um you know you're just not planting churches in the, the same way there as you would mm-hmm. and so yep it, it's just got to be a, a deal and when i see like often when i when i'm in a city and we we, I, we just you know a church playing catalyst or some kind of a leader discovers a bivocational planter mm-hmm. often you know they have a huge heart for the gospel and a huge heart for um um uh, reaching people, but th- they don't have any connections or any points of connection. Um, oftentimes they got a group of people, maybe the wrong group of people. And sometimes their wife's mad at them, you know, because there's no, uh, you know, they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And really what we want to do is develop a roadmap because we have over the last 30 or 40 years have blown up every roadmap. And so church planters go from one conference to the next conference to the next conference, zigzagging mm. their idea. And, mm. uh, and we just want to give a very simple, sound disciple making roadmap where here's point one, here's point two, and here's six different points on this roadmap. And, uh, and we'll give you some training on how, how to get to this next, next point on the roadmap and once you get there, we'll open the door for you to get to the next place, and we'll help with the resourcing of that. And and so, um, yeah, I'm very, very optimistic about what, the direction we're heading with Brad. Exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, what what a lot of guys, they, they don't realize that the greatest church planner who ever lived was bivocational. Of course, we're talking about Paul. Yeah. And, there, you know, the, the couple things that made it so good for him was, one— when you're bivocational, you have no limitations of where you can go. You just, you're like, hey, I'm not dependent on funding to go. Yeah, and exactly. in 1999, when I went to, uh, I was naive. I mean, I, I didn't do the red thermometer and project how much I need. I just went and whatever was coming in was coming in. 
and I was a moron. I always tell people, don't do what I did, but <laughs> st- still am a moron. I was thinking I that, but I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing. What's great is that apostolic uh, spirit that just says, hey, I just need to reach these people, and I'll sacrifice, and I'll, I'll take a stupid job making stuff on an assembly line. No problem. I'll go do it. And, uh, and I think that's what it's going to take in the future, um, you know, for bivocational planting. Um, but I think what guys really need to see is kind of like models, like people who have, who have done it in the sense of, and, and like you said, where you're, you know, the guys go around on the conferences and they say the same, you know, quotey quote, here's my tweety tweet, you know, check out this profound thing I said, but really, um, we need guys who, you know, we need to hear from these guys that, that have been in the trenches, um, guys like examples of stuff that's worked because that's what we're not getting is we're not getting a bunch of living examples of bivocational planners who are killing it. Um, what are some of the things right now that you guys are seeing that's just super encouraging from the bivocational front? Oh my goodness. Well, um, I mean, there's, there's, a couple of different things that I, I love what I'm seeing. I, I'm seeing, I, I can think of two specific churches that are raising up a, um, an army of bivocational uh, planters and planting teams. And they're, they're, um, they're, they're doing it in two very different ways. Um, one of them, it has got more of a, a classroom methodology that they're doing and they have, they have the first year of, of, uh, of training on theological kinds of things. In the second year, they're more getting them involved in ministry and different kinds of things. And then they're assembling them together as, a, as teams of planters and they're going out and, uh, and they're really killing it. They're all indigenous. They all, you know, absolutely understand, um, the culture that they're planting in because they're, 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 they're of it and, um, and they're connected with people. And so they, they start this new church and all of a sudden they have, you know, all kinds of people coming to it. And, uh, seen people come to Christ. There's one, another one I've, I've seen is a, of a, a really hardcore disciple making idea in Berkeley <laughs> that is just, uh, um, I, I, I mean, just absolutely impressed. I, I think they had over 400 people this year, um, make, make, uh, dis- applications to actually leave their church and their place and move their jobs and everything to, uh, to three different other other cities to plant this year, and um, it's just like, and so you're just watching how how they're mobilizing their uh, their church through their jobs and training people over a longer burn uh, for for this idea of of multiplying churches, and so two very different ways of going at it, but both are just killing it, and so those are existing churches. Uh, raising up armies of um, of, of bivocational church planters. One takes uh, 24 a year. They do 12 Hispanic and 12 Anglo, and they and they do 24 of these get peep leaders a year for this idea, and that's really cool. I dig it. I think it's a lost art. I think that so many of the things that made the first century catch like wildfire um, have been lost arts to us, and bivocationalism um, really makes sense when, like, for example, when I came to NAM, and by the way, for our listeners, that's North American Mission Board, the B is silent. And uh, when I first came to NAM, um, I didn't know that people funded church planners. I could not believe 
Because most most denominations are for Frank, you know, most 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 uh, church planners out in the big wide world, they're the enemy. They're like they're like the guy, the new kid on the block taking people's, you know, that's how they're perceived. But with North American Mission Board, they're the heroes. You guys are the the commandos in God's armor. You're, I mean, uh, in God's army, you're expanding the kingdom. So for me, I almost had a little culture shock coming off the mission field going there. There is a denomination that will fund church planners, but I love the fact that despite that, that we're recognizing that, hey, if we want to go further faster, um, we're going to need to really uh, do that. But there's another thing that you're doing, and that is a uh, pipeline, a church planner pipeline. Tell us a little bit about what that is and what's happening. Yeah, well, Peyton, it's like um, we've been doing church planning by addition for a long time. And when I say that, I mean... Um, we, we plant a church and then at some point later we plant another church and, um, and, and normally how that goes is we look for a church planter. So, so, so we began to send our emails and phone calls around and say, you know, I need a, this kind of a guy, you know, and, and, uh, and there's this very limited pond of potential church planters that, everybody's been fishing out of for for a little while now especially as we've been sort of putting the pedal down on church planting and that um that pond is more or less fished out and there's not too many people stocking the pond in fact we went and looked at uh i think 16 different church planting residencies that we could find and um in every case they they took an already church planter and then they put their dna on them for maybe up to a year and then sent them out and um but there, there's very, very precious few people saying, um, how do we create an army of church planters? And so we just know that as long as we keep operating um, in, in many ways, this is this is fruit of the church growth culture is addition. We, we're going to guarantee a win. You know, we're going to as long as we keep operating out of out of addition you know, we, we will continue losing ground and, uh, until we get to the point where we're operating out of multiplication. So, um, this, this idea is, is giving churches a discipleship plan that takes a, um, a new believer and turns them into a church planter or a church planting team member. And, uh, so we have a, a three year church planter pipeline that uh, that we're in the midst of piloting right now in 22 different churches of various sizes from from smallish to huge and um, and and just working through that so that the first year is about the uh, the um, character and the theology so it's sort of the foundation of the leader the second year is about disciple making and missiology and the third year is about church planting ideas and uh, and we're, we're taking our church planter assessment and the values that we think it takes to plant uh, a healthy, sustainable, reproducing church in a post-Christian environment. What are the skills that are needed in order to, to pull that reality off? Backing the train up and saying, we're going to train people to, to be able to pass that church planter assessment. And so... Um, so a person would come in on a pre-assessment idea and, and they might say, OK, that pre-assessment says I need to start right from the very beginning in year one. Or it might say I might skip all the way to year three. But we're, we're, we just really see churches as 
um, they're, they're the ones with the people. They're the ones with the great commission that's been given to them. So can we give them a tool where they are, are creating a, uh, a pipeline within their own church and then sending people out? So that's what that's about in a nutshell. That's powerful. You know, it's funny because in my last church plant, which was Urban Long Beach, we um, planted out first and second strings. You know, you you lose your best leaders or so you yeah. think when you plan out your first few churches out of your church plant. Yeah. And, you know, by the time the third stringers were gone, I looked around. I'm like, well, after that, man. It's like the people in the bleachers, like, cause I, you know, I'm kind of like the, the, when I plant, I always feel like George Bailey, you know, like I'm trying to get out of Bedford falls, you know, I get out and kick this crummy town off my shoes. You know, um, I don't know if you guys watch it in Canada, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's just it's, a wonderful life. Yeah. It's yeah. big here in America. I just, I just say it, but, it, uh, but was, there was never any royalties on that show. So the, the, uh, networks could play it for free. So it became a thing. I know. Isn't that funny? I know it public domain. I wonder yep. if we could use it. Really? Something yeah, there. Public domain. So, so mm. here's the deal is, you know, I, I, for me, I was always trying to raise people up so I could get out. And, um, and that was what I learned. I think in my last cycle was my whole view of training leaders, um, change because people would come to me going, Hey, train me to plant a church. And I'd be like, Hey, I'll train you like Paul trained Timothy come with me and plant. That's the best way I can train you. And what would happen is after those guys would, would ship, I, I'd always think, well, surely some of these guys will want to like stay behind. This is a cool church plant. So <laughs> sure. I mean, it's hard to give a church away. Sometimes I never thought that was the case An established church. It was like, everybody was clamoring for the top, you know, King of the mountain. Let me be the boss in church planning. You train guys, right. And they're like, nobody wants to stay. And, uh, so anyways, well, it just speaks a lot of the, of the culture, the kingdom culture you, you, you led with. Yeah. Well, well, what was really cool, man, is I didn't put, I'm ashamed to say this because they are gospel animals right now. They're a better leadership team than when I was there. They, cause I'm still on their group text and they're just killing it. But the reality is these were people that nobody would have ever seen leadership potential in. They're now probably the best leaders that church has ever had. Right. And it changed the way I thought because all of a sudden I realized like what you're doing with the farm system, it was like Jesus picking these 12 guys that, that now I don't look for the guy who's aspiring for ministry or the seminary grad or the church planner wannabe. Now I just look for average people that want to be discipled. Yeah. And if you disciple people correctly, you can pick from the bleachers and they'll be your your star players before long. And that's all Jesus did was disciple these guys that had no future in ministry, and they changed the world and turned it upside down. I mean, Peyton, discipling people correctly is not as complicated as it sounds either, is it? It's basically oh. you uh, as a leader listening and, and being living a life that's very, very obviously obedient to Jesus. And, uh, and then asking people and being transparent in that and asking people to live like you. And, uh, it's, it's not that complicated. It really isn't. It really isn't. Well, man, look, it is, it has been really cool to have you on. I know that we're, uh, we're, we're, it's a short show, so (laughs) we're running (laughs) out of time, but, uh, is there anything else you want to add about the, uh, church planner pipeline or ways that guys can kind of get in touch? How do do you enter that? If, if I were saying, Hey, that sounds cool because we got a lot of church planners and non-church planners listening, to the show or people that we got 
two letters last week that from were from guys that we were corrupting into church planners who wrote us <laughs> saying that we had twisted their minds enough to make them want to do it. Um, how did they get involved in this? Yeah, well, probably the easiest way would just shoot us an email, probably pipeline at namb.net. And, uh, and we can start a conversation. And right now we are kind of, we're doing a, a soft launch. We're, we're, we're did our first pilot right now with 23 churches come January this year, we're going to start a soft launch with a group of other churches and then, and then a larger launch kind of full out in this fall, this coming fall 2017, but uh, pipeline at nam.net would get a co- conversation started and we can see if we can help you on that. That is very cool. Cause we will definitely want to get you back on here and uh, talk to you about, um, uh, you know, what the results were, what the findings were, because that's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's very, I, I'm personally taking a, a group of, um, I'm not in a large church. I mean, I'm in a church of 200 and some, and we got 12, 12 men that are all in, in bivocational leaders that are going through this. And it's, it's really, really fun to, to walk with them on it. It's <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. All right. Well, Pete has a question that he likes to uh, ask every person. I don't know if you've listened to our show or not, but uh, it, I, you it, know, I've listened to the beginnings. I don't know if I've made it all the way to the end. Well, now that, you're in that for works it. Better. So, so here's the question, Jeff. Yeah. If you were to get into a physical fist fight with Ed Stetzer, who would win? <laughs> <laughs> Now we picked him because he is a fellow Canadian, is he not? He's not, but his wife is. Mm, yeah. That's close enough, and he works with Daniel M. What's that? And he works with Daniel M. Canadian. Yeah, Daniel M's. Uh, he's from he's from Edmonton most recently. That's right. Uh, you know, you know. I don't know. I think uh, I think I would have him on uh, speed, but he might have me on uh, just girth. So um, <laughs> just just grab the goatee. Just grab the goatee. You know everyone wants to grab the goatee. Grab him by the hair of his chinny chin chin, and it's over. <laughs> Did you know we're doing something together? Um, we're we're Ed and I are starting something called the uh, Send Institute at Wheaton, and nice. and it's it's a way for. I mean, the way he described it, he said Nam used to be kind of the trailing edge of church planting in terms of denominations and now in his view we're, we're, we're leading. And, yeah. uh, and so, but it's a way, a way for us to, um, to engage with other denominations and, uh, and do some joint learning together. So we're looking forward to that. We'll be starting that in this next year and uh, we'll be hiring one person to be the director of that and second him to Wheaton and, um, <laughs> and we'll work on that. So, yeah. That is very cool. Yeah, you know, and and Ed Ed's good on the smack talk, man. So I I love that you you gave him a little. It doesn't mean you can't work together. It's just you got to know when you get in the room who's going to take who. That's all. You just got to know that. So, anyways, hey man, it has been great having you on here. Thank you for all that you do for church planners, uh, from North American Mission Board, and just as you rightly said, just at the end of the call here. Um, for the kingdom of God in general. Thank you that you guys have kept, and I say you guys, but I'm a part of it now. And the reason largely that I'm a part of it is because of that kingdom mm-hmm. mindset that Nam has to just work together to expand the borders of the kingdom of God. So thank you for that. And thanks for being on the show. 
Thank you, guys. Great talking with you. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.